welcome to the Legalpreneur Podcast. This is the place to come to gain motivation, inspiration, tools, tips, strategies, and all the secrets in between. We want to help you level up your legal brand and create a lifestyle you'll love. I'm your host, Attorney Roxelle Richards. Let's tune in. I'm so very excited today for our very first episode where we will be talking about niching your law practice. I wish somebody would have told me all the goodies and the secrets that we're going to share with you guys today. It would have saved me so much time and so much energy and just all the many mistakes that I made. But anyways, I need for you all to really pay attention. Grab your popcorn, grab your soda, potato chips, grab some pens, grab some paper and take plenty of notes. On today's episode, I will be speaking with attorney Casey Handy with the Handy Law Firm. You can find her at chandylaw.com. Now she has a 100% virtual based law firm. I mean, can you just imagine? I mean, just, ugh. Anyways, she's going to be sharing with you guys her transition, how she did it, and what it really took for her to have that mental mindset to just make it awesome. She is amazing. She's only been doing this four years and she already has a thriving law practice. I hope you guys can be inspired today and I hope you guys take away the secrets that we're sharing with you and apply it instantly. Let's get into it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, <laughs> Roxelle. Happy to be here. Thank you. Um, for everybody that doesn't know, um, Casey worked with me how many years ago? It's been maybe like three or four years at this point. It has. It's been a. It's been a little minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but since that, she has blossomed. You've blossomed into a wonderful, you know, entertainment attorney. And I have just seen you just like grow, like seems like really fast, like almost overnight to now, like <laughs> having this wonderful law firm, have your digital store and all that great stuff. So I couldn't think of a better person to talk about finding your niche other than you, because I think you provide inspiration to me. I mean, watching you has really helped me kind of get out of my comfort zone and say, you know, Roxelle, you kind of traditional doing things old don't you catch up <laughs> so thank you I really appreciate that um, but you know tell, tell everybody you know who you are what you do and um, what made you really decide to say I want to find my niche yeah so um, you know I've already said my name is Casey um, practice entertainment law which when I first started working with you obviously that was always my like passion and my focus even then um, primarily background like in music uh, entertainment and I would say probably my second year or so like practicing um, I started meeting more people kind of like in this online space and there was a local uh, bloggers group here in Houston who reached out to me and they were like oh I, I know you do like in uh, I know you do intellectual property law right can you um, can you come speak to our group about like intellectual property concerns for bloggers? And so I was like, sure, you know, like this sounds like a interesting, you know, unique um, space or whatever. And so I started doing a lot of research then and that was really kind of my first introduction to like entertainment law in the online space. Cause I think my experience, when well, I think, I know my experience prior was really more kind of traditional entertainment, you know, having studied like music business in college um, and all of that stuff. So it was kind of my first introduction to like entertainment as it relates to the digital media space. And so when I, you know, kind of did that training or whatever, I started then being introduced to other like bloggers, um, people in the online space, started working with clients in the online space. Um, and really from there, that's when I started to realize that there was like this whole other world of things you could be doing with business <laughs> i think even mm -hmm. when i was still working with you roxelle like i was be telling you about different podcasts and stuff that <laughs> i was like coming across and listening to and just seeing how people were really you know creating this like passive income working online and and all that kind of stuff so now um i guess kind of long story short i started uh after working kind of a little bit in the digital space i've now niched down to working with influencers and creators um, and helping them to really negotiate pivotal contracts and helping them to alleviate a lot of that fear and stress that comes with getting bigger opportunities, whether it's a brand deal or 
uh, maybe a book signing or something like that. So yeah. awesome. <laughs> so making that decision to say, okay, I want to go ahead and go from maybe traditional entertainment law to just like working with these creators and influencers. What was the like aha moment that made you say, you know what? I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone and I'm going to do this. Cause I know for me, I get dinosaurs. Like <laughs> I don't get butterflies. I get dinosaurs stepping outside of my comfort zone. So what made you just say, you know what? I'm just going to do this. Like no hesitation. Honestly, the people in the online space were way better clients really? than, like, my traditional, really? <laughs> like, music entertainment clients, honestly. Really? So that made it much easier to transition into that space because I noticed really quickly that a lot of them, especially those bloggers who had already established, like, online businesses, they just had way more, they were a lot more professional. They had more, like, business acumen because, you know, like... Most musicians, like, and they're very, you know, they're creative types. Like, we love them, but, like, when it comes to the business side of things, can be real flaky, you know. And so, and so it was kind of like a 360 in terms of working with people, like, in the online space. Because they were just, you know, they're more, just more professional. So it was honestly not too hard of a jump to say, like, oh, this is a space I should really kind of pursue more. Because it got to a point where I was making more money working with those types of clients anyway than I was even working with like traditional musician types so it was like oh, okay wow. well how can I like really focus my energies and my practice on this and really like leverage this space so yeah oh wow <laughs> so how did you how did you do that like when you when you said okay this is which by the way let me go back so let's talk about that a little bit about you know the different type of clientele that you were dealing with before making this transition I guess into this like super niche um, area so was this the type of client was this the type of ideal client that you had in mind or did you know and it wasn't until you made the jump that you knew or did you have some doubts about maybe should I even consider working with like traditional artists you know and things mm -hmm. of that nature like um, so, correct me if I'm, like, misunderstanding your question. You but probably like, are, but it's okay. <laughs> but, like, so my current, so I was at my current niche being, like, influencers who primarily helping them, like, to negotiate brand deals. That definitely was not, like, my initial, what I was thinking when I first started my own practice. Because okay. when I first started my own practice, that wasn't even really, like, it was a thing, but even that space in general is still, like, a newer thing that's kind of like emerging especially on the legal side of things like that really happened more so because my clients were starting to get those types of contracts and so it was becoming mm. just like a need for the people I was already serving so like for like a lot of the bloggers who had already established like large online presence you know brands would be coming to them like hey you know let's help me you know basically with the whole influencer marketing like you already have a nice platform like you know I'll pay you to you know, pitch my products or whatever. So it really just came out of like necessity for clients. But when I first started, when I first started, I don't think I even knew what a niche was, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, like you hear people talk about it, but it was kind of like, okay, I know I want to do entertainment because I love music, but I, I didn't really, because even with the music industry, you know, it's, I mean, that's, you can do all kinds of things in the music industry, True. you know? True. <laughs> so I, I really had no idea then. It really just kind of, start working on one thing and leads into something else and then I just realized how much I actually enjoyed um just not just the newness I guess of the internet but how it's really kind of interesting because it's like you're taking traditional like entertainment law concepts and like merging it with these newer types of media so it's just a it's just an interesting space and seeing how like traditional entertainment traditional business law and like IP law how you kind of almost have to make it up as you go yeah. because there's really not like a lot of yeah law already established like you know as it relates to like podcasting or like blogging and all that kind of stuff right yeah. okay okay <laughs> I like it so I know for me um I really had to have like a whole mental mind shift when I decided to go from and you know because I was kind of going through this like towards the tail end um when you, of our working relationship here and I just remember um, putting in my mind, okay, I know that I need to make this jump. And so I was having some issues mentally, like, okay, at what point am I just going to ring the bell and 
be done with, you know, taking the cases that I was taking to be able to pay my bills versus, you know what, turning it away and really kind of stepping out on faith, you know. Um, so I know for me, I had to kind of really get in that mental space of really kind of having the faith, the faith, as they say, the size of a mustard seed. <laughs> so for tell me, you know, when you decided to make that transition, um, like what were some of the things that you were dealing with mentally and, you know, how did you end up saying, you know what, I'm going to literally just focus on this and I'm going to turn down everything? Oh, man, that's a... Um that's a deep question. Um, yeah, we want to talk about it. <laughs> um, I feel like it was really, it was like so many different layers to it because I hadn't been, like, I don't think I'm as much as some attorneys where I had already established like a practice in one area um, for, you know, so many years. So the transition in that regard, like, wasn't as difficult, I guess, because it because I wasn't. I mean, I was taking other cases for sure. Like I was okay. doing like a little bit of employment, taking some random PI stuff. Like you know, so I definitely was doing a little bit of that. Mainly because every attorney I knew was like, "Oh, you need to get on these um, what is the court list? The uh, court appointment list? Oh and yeah." All that stuff. Everyone's like, "You need to do that. <laughs> like you need to you know be a member of the bar association so you can get on the referral list yeah. and just like." You know, just all these very traditional ways of, like, bringing in clients. And so I was doing that for a little while, definitely. Um, and I was, you know, kind of having to set my business up in a way where I could handle those types of cases. Um, and I guess what really was, when did I make the decision? I mean, I never really stopped working on the stuff I really wanted to work on. It just got to a point where it was like, okay, do I want to... Do I want to have to spend resources trying to support these other types of cases and these other types of clients when I know that ultimately I don't want to be doing that anyway? Because as you know, with practice in law, like every practice area comes with like so many different background types of things you have to have in place, like yeah. different types of systems you have to have in place if you're doing like handling like a PI type case, which is very different than like the systems you need in place for like you know, transactional work, like maybe yeah. doing contract work. Yeah. And so it just kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, in the long run, I'm going to spend way more money trying to service all these random different types of people, you know, even spending more money like with support staff, trying to exp like have them do all these different types of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it definitely was like hard, like mentally in terms yeah. of like, okay, let me just really focus on this. Um, but at, But I never really stopped focusing on it i guess that's really right the, the best way i can kind of put it is mm -hmm. that i always i've always just been more focused on like big picture and the dream that i've always had versus mm -hmm. like just how do i make money because i've never been a very money driven type of person which <laughs> for me means that i struggled quite a bit in my practice <laughs> before i finally got it together um but i never because i just never was like yeah focused on like okay how do i just bringing all this money or you know all that stuff right. it's like i want to focus on the things that i'm actually passionate about okay. um but yeah just kind of yeah the reality of <laughs> this is going to cost me a lot more money and time to try to <laughs> support all these random people that i don't yeah. want to work with anyway <laughs> i know i know i know so right now you are you at a point where you like this is you're literally not taking any other types of those cases you don't have any of those other types of cases outside of just really the cases that you're passionate about right now? I have one case <laughs> that is outside of that, and it is an older case that I'm trying to wrap up. Um, I had, starting mm, towards the end of last year, I had two. Okay. One of which got off my plate, and I was like, Hallelujah! Right. <laughs> and there's this one other, like oh, I, I said, that's that just been, but it's like the type of case, because it's like in court and all that type of stuff, like, you, you know, you can't just get rid of that kind of stuff in your own time per se right. so, so i have one other thing that i'm still working on that i'm just trying to get off my plate but other than that yeah everything else is like the type of work i want to be doing the type of clients that i want to work with and mm -hmm. all that good stuff so how has this changed in terms of your lifestyle like your work-life balance making this transition um it's just made it less stressful I would say because it's like now because I'm focused on one type of thing I'm not trying to 
figure out like how to make all these various things work um and the types of clients like I love my clients like we're like cool you know so right. like it just makes it easier to get the work done because these are people that I actually like and <laughs> like me you know which is um, important <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and it's really it's helped me to be able to really build up other areas too in my business that I've wanted to focus on like we've talked about before like digital products and things like that mm -hmm. it's like now I have more mental capacity and even more time honestly to like focus on those things because now that I'm only working with a set type of client it's like you know my systems and everything support that and so like my admin support is able to really just run with a lot of that stuff so I'm not having to be so like right. you know involved in like <laughs> detail. so yeah awesome so in terms of like okay yeah we about to get into the real good stuff um so in terms of like your finances like um since making the niche have you like down has it helped you in terms of being able to downsize maybe like some of your operational costs or have you had to like expand for some some people out there who may be thinking oh if i do this i'm gonna have to acquire all this overhead or i'm ha going to have to acquire like you know just additional operating costs like mm -hmm. so how how did your transition affect that for you well I would say definitely lowered it but then definitely increased it in other areas okay. um but overall definitely lowered it because previously nice. yeah <laughs> nice I love um, it <laughs> because previously like I was officing like um, in a location um, in the Heights area here in Houston and I um I had a physical office location um, and which was fine but the primary reason why I was doing that was because I had um, you know at the time I was still taking like clients from like the bar association and like doing those types of cases you had to have like a physical space and all this so definitely obviously overhead of like a physical office is like always gonna be more expensive than having right. like you know, because now I'm a 100% like home office setup, which mm -hmm. has been great for me because I mean, obviously it's cheaper, but right. also <laughs> because it got water. to a point. Yeah, but it also got to a point that I mean, I wasn't like servicing clients like in person, so it really didn't uh... even make sense to be like spending all this money to have this like physical office location. Um, because it, it kind of almost got to the point was like, okay, I have this office just to say I have an office. Or that, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't because it just wasn't, yeah. it just wasn't necessary. Like, it right. got to the point where I was like, I can't even remember the last time I met with a client, like, physically. Because, like, all my clients, I mean, I work with people all over. So, like, because most of the work I do with it being, like, you know, either federally based, like, so trademarks or copyrights or, like, contracts, transactional work, like, I work with clients all over. So, wow. and even the ones who were in Houston... <laughs> They prefer, they love that we can do a nice video chat. Like, I don't have to drive anywhere. <laughs> and it's traffic, I just need so. to video-wise? Okay. Exactly, exactly. And then a lot of times, too, I just go where people are also. Like, you know, for local people. Um, and that that's works, amazing. Too. So that's definitely, so that piece definitely helps, like, with overall overhead. And I was able to take the money I was spending on that to transition that into things I actually needed. Like, oh. support staff and, like, you know, <laughs> having better like back-end systems so um that helped tremendously and but i would say though since then though i've definitely had to increase expenses in some other areas that i wasn't mm -hmm. before because you know i have like more automated like systems and things like that so obviously all those things cost That's money amazing. but but it's not like all a bunch of i would say most of it is not like a lot of legal software and i right. think a lot of legal software costs Definitely does. Some money. Definitely does. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so pretty much your clientele is just like, so you, I mean, your practice is really virtual, 100% virtual. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I actually read this article. Gosh, I don't know where I read this article. And it was actually talking about the future of law practices and how, you know, the virtual law firm is like a thing. And I know for me, I mean, that's like, that's a dream, right? That is a dream. <laughs> you know, I run an injury firm here, and so I have, you know, my full staff and everything like that. But how could, I mean, I don't know what I would give to say I have a virtual law <laughs> practice. That is amazing. So tell us about that. 
I mean, it's like with anything though, I feel like it has like its pros and its cons. I mean, obviously the biggest con is that like, okay, I'm pretty much always at my house. So <laughs> I have to find like other things to, other reasons to kind of like get out and really interact with people like one-on-one. -on -one. But other th than that, honestly, I mean, that one con is nothing compared to all the pros, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, I mean, it just makes it, honestly better for even just my work-life balance because it's easier for me now to like okay go transition from work to like you know wife mode like cooking dinner and all that stuff because I'm not having to like deal with crazy commutes or like right. you know things like that um but no it's not I mean it's really it forces you to I think to get even better systems because you're not as dependent on kind of traditional brick and mortar things that you might have at your disposal if you were like in a physical office location so oh, wow. it's definitely helped me with like cleaning up my systems really utilizing like a lot of the things that I noticed my clients were using and I'm like okay what are these different apps and all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> but it allowed me to like really realize like how efficient like a lot of those apps and stuff are and like how they really can help you to to run your business without having to or to not even, where you don't even have to necessarily do all the things and you don't even necessarily need as many people either mm -hmm. working with you to do all the different things because technology now is like oh crazy. wow <laughs> that's like amazing so um so is it pretty much fair to say that like going you know super niching will save you money save you some time maybe um you know, you establish yeah. these wonderful systems. I mean, because when I came out of law school, whew, Lord, we ain't going to talk about how long ago that was. Well, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, it wasn't, it, things were not the way that they are now. Like, you know, and I keep hearing you talk about all these, like, different systems and stuff like that. So how many different systems would you say you had to, like, put in place to really make your firm be 100% you know virtual based was it hard was it you know for people out there who's you know thinking about doing something like mm -hmm. this for other young lawyers who's mm -hmm. thinking about doing something like this um you know what would you tell them um I would say you really need to like start learning the online business space in general like I wouldn't even say necessarily looking at what other law firms are doing because because you'll start getting almost confused with between like, should I be doing it this way or is right. it okay for me to do it this way? Um, but one thing that really helped me was by initially being introduced kind of to the space through my clients, but then also working like with a coach who's an who has an online business, who works with online businesses and helping them to get, you know, get to niche down and to really like sell their signature services and all that good stuff. Um, and so really working with her and it was like a group of other um, successful like online business um, owners and so just kind of feeding off of these other people seeing like okay what systems do you use for um, like handling your staff meetings like how do you organize communication with staff especially because you're di primarily dealing with people that you're working with virtually right like you're not well, walking up and like you know you can walk up true. to your desk and say like hey like secretary like do this for me right um, but it's different when you're working with people virtually. That's so it's true. like, how do you communicate with support people? Um, where are the best ways to communicate with clients? Like, where are the best systems? So really, I would say the biggest thing would be, like, not being afraid to learn, like, what's actually going on out here outside of the legal profession. Mm -hmm. Like, seeing how other businesses are really, like, doing things. And yeah. just researching, like, these various apps. Like, you know, listen to some. I love podcasts. You know, listen to some podcasts. <laughs> Like just to kind of keep you motivated and stuff keep like you that. motivated and and it'll depending on like if you listen to like ones for business owners like they'll talk a lot about the different systems and stuff mm -hmm. that they use a lot of the different software and all that um so can you share yeah. with some of yeah like some, some of, of the our apps people out stuff? there I mean it's okay <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> um so like um one of my favorite systems is Asana um so Asana is good for like really organizing all of your workflows so like everything from like new staff onboarding to like weekly agenda meeting flow is in there um workflow for like this is how we handle a new contract negotiation client from start to finish this is awesome. how we handle like um a breach of contract you know if we're just doing a demand or something like that from start to finish so awesome. it really helps you to so i love asana for um really workflow 
And the great thing with Asana is you can collaborate like other people on it. So like you can have, you can create different projects, like different boards or whatever, um, and invite your various people who work on those different things yeah. to their specific board so they can see like, and it really just cuts down on like really them having to ask a lot of questions and stuff too. Yeah. It's like, you can go to Asana and see <laughs> you exactly can read it yourself. what's going on here. Um, but it's also like a very interactive, you know, so it's not like having to do like an old school method of like, you know, typing up a Word document or something because you can kind of like, you know, drag stuff. Right. Least, you know, it's just more of an intuitive app. So I love Asana for that. I love Slack for communicating. I definitely um, have heard of Slack. Slack I have tried Asana a, now. You have tried Asana? I okay. have. But did you not like it? <laughs> I did <didn't laughs> like, dramatic pause when well, you don't like Asana. You know, I will say this. I'm not a super techie person. Okay. So I'm pretty sure it, it definitely had all to do with me. I am very, you know, Casey, I'm kind of old school. So if it's not super simple for me, then mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like, next. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just my, my take. You know, I love my case. Yeah. So, and I know, like, within my case, they have, like, the little, you know, workflows in there that mm -hmm. you can establish and stuff like that. But that's just my preference, but I definitely have heard of Asana. Yeah, I like you it know. for things outside of just, like, client workflow. Because I actually, so I used to use my case. I switched over to Clio, and I'll tell you why. Really? I did, yeah. I switched to Clio. I tried Only Clio. Only because of their CRM, just though. Only because of their CRM. <laughs> really? But I, like, but I like Asana for, like... The workflow for like kind of office operation workflow, not tied to like specific case, case workflow. So okay, kind of so like, more like support. Okay. Right. So it's like if you're a legal admin, like this is everything you need to know about like your job, what you need to do, how you handle like client intake, how you handle initial emails and stuff like that. Okay. So like, so like it's kind of like protocols. Yeah, pretty okay. much. I forget who was I using. Gosh, I there was one program I was using. That I tried to do my workflow. Maybe Trello? What was the, wait, say it. Trello, maybe? I think that might have been it. Okay. And I was using that to create, like, the workflows for our staff here. Mm -hmm. I think it may have been Trello, actually. Yeah. I think so, because were you here when I started playing around with that program? I don't, I can't remember. But I know I used to use Trello for a minute. Um, but then I switched to Asana because it's just more, it's easier to collaborate with people, I felt like. Than Trello okay. was. Okay. Trello is like a good like checklist. I feel like for yourself almost. I want to say like, I, I think it. I think I did use Trello, yeah. and I, I liked it. I mean, I did, but you know, I have to go back and look at Asana. You know, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, you know, you gotta play around for a little bit, but it definitely helped that I have friends who like already had like established Asana like right. flows. So they, you know, they just showed me like what right. their stuff looked like. And I was like, oh, okay, so I can create these little. Yeah. yeah. And now I have here. heard of Slack. Yeah, that's more like of like a, a collaborative, like you can communication, put communication yeah. between it, make sure everybody's on the same page. I definitely mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, that's um, primarily how I communicate. Okay, like, support because I'm like, don't send me an email because I'll lose it. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll get lost in the email, like any yeah, day. Yeah, no. But Slack is, yeah, I like Slack. But yeah, I switched to Clio. Really? I switched to Clio. Why did you switch? Because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a my case everything. I'm okay. I'm like I'm my case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked my case. The only thing that got me to switch to Clio, so they recently launched Clio Grow, which is like their CRM for handling client intake. Really? And so, and I used to use another system called Dubsado, but that's, it's, Dubsado was cool, but it got a little, it's a little difficult for attorneys to use like in the long run. Okay. Um, but it's basically like a CRM for, yeah. You know, for creative entrepreneurs or whatever, but Clio Grow, I like because it's a CRM platform in and of itself. So it okay. helps me to like better track leads and like handle that flow. And then it automatically integrates with the main Clio. So like oh, from the moment Okay, someone, I get you. So there's yeah. like an intake component. Right. And then when you go from the intake component, it there's like some sort of API that would go yeah. into it exports it into for the, when main. they become an actual client. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's cute. But you know, my case has that too. <laughs> well, actually, no. Actually, I take that back. I actually use we use Lexicata for so, our intake. Yeah, and, and I, I love it. Yeah, and I think that Clio actually has a partnership with Lexicata. That's what they used to primarily use initially, like as an outside app. But now Clio Grow is like. I think it's like a version of Lexicata or something like that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think because I, I yeah. saw something <laughs> in my email. I'm I don't know. I'm always like researching stuff. 
Um, but I did see something like that. So we use like Lexicata mm -hmm. and then, you know, my intake department will work with Lexicata and then from Lexicata, um, once they become a lead, you know, then we, mm -hmm. she has to manually do everything. I, I don't know if there is an API integration with, with my case. With Lexicon, I'm not sure, but then she goes in. So I definitely can yeah. understand why. Yeah, it's that more would be more automated, like exactly, because yeah. like even if I have to do it myself, you just gotta click a button and like all the information transfers over. Oh. And you're good. So it's a more automated like way of handling intake <laughs> to like client management. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I like it. And then what? What other platforms? This is kind of cool. I'm kind of glad we're talking about this stuff because you know, <laughs> I, never, I never really, you know, and this is good. I think it's good for people to like, you know, hear what we're doing, you know, because yeah. I'll get, you know, we'll get hit up on our Instagram like, hey, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? Mm -hmm. So I think that this is great that we're talking about this. Um, what are some other um, apps that you're using to make your 100% virtual law practice? Man, that's the sound of that just sound. <sighs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> what are some other things that you're using? Um, yeah, so we talked about Asana and some other ones. Um, Acuity scheduling is I've definitely a big one, yeah, that I use um a lot, which just helps me with like, you know, people getting on my calendar. Um, it's really I really like it because you can integrate it like with your website and really anywhere you want to integrate it mm. um, and it has a lot of nice like intake forms and stuff so really oh, if wow. someone's coming like to your website random it'll still collect the information that you needed to collect before they may you know actually just hop up like on your calendar oh, okay <laughs> um, which is nice sort of like so, the live chat on my website like yeah, for our injury yeah. intake clients. Okay. Yeah. So I love Acuity um, for that. So that's what I do like to schedule um, calls with either new potential clients, even existing clients. I just have a bunch of different links for mm. all types of stuff. Yeah. Um, even people who just want to like connect, like how we talked about earlier, you know, like people sliding your DMs and stuff on Instagram, yeah. like, oh, I'm trying to do this. Like, how can we, you know, send them a link through Acuity, like have a little nice little connection call type yeah. scheduling setup. So just have it, you know, synced with my calendar. So I have very designated times for certain types of things. So that nothing's ever just like randomly popping up that, you know, in a space that I don't want it to right. be scheduling. Um, and it just helps to, to alleviate even my yeah. assistant having to ask like, oh, is this a good time? Should I schedule this person? That type of stuff. So yeah. I love Acuity for that. Um, we already talked a little bit about Loom. Yeah. I also use Zoom. Which is definitely you were the first person to turn me on about to Zoom actually, okay. <laughs> or was it? I think it was either you or this other lady in the digital online world. But I love Zoom. That's like where you can meet with the person face to face, but on mm -hmm. a virtual type thing, so they yeah. feel like they're seeing who they're talking to. I love it. I yeah, love it. yeah. So Zoom is what I use like for my initial like consultations with um, new potential clients. Um, even existing clients, but basically anytime I'm doing a video conference call. And what I really love about Zoom is it integrates with Acuity. So when oh, someone wow. schedules, it automatically pops up on their calendar, and then a Zoom link is already um, populated for them. Mm. So you don't have to like go an extra step in scheduling it through Zoom. It's automatically on a, you know on your calendar, and they have the right. link. They know exactly where they need to go when it's time for you to meet so right um, I love that yeah so another thing I, I think that's very interesting about you that I love actually is that you're very um self-aware in terms of like you know what let me really look at this let me look at really what I'm doing and do I really need this do I not really I know for me I normally have to mess up first <laughs> <laughs> or some stuff need to happen and then it's like <laughs> Okay, right, so you don't need that. I always, I don't know, I'm working on it. But how did you, how, how, is that just something natural or is that something that you were taught? Like, how did you get to that point? Because I think it's great for everybody, especially us lawyers, to really become more self-aware of our business and what we're mm -hmm. doing. And even with these clients to say, maybe I need to make some adjustments here. So mm -hmm. how how did you get that way? Um, That's a great question. <laughs> I think a lot of it, honestly... I, I feel like it can be, like, a good thing and a bad thing because I think sometimes I can overthink a lot of stuff, too, which can then take me forever to do certain things. So, for me, I have to kind of combat that 
need to feel like I have to analyze every single situation before I do something uh-huh. with also just not being afraid to just make the decision, make the call and like, you know, get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of a balancing act. So like I found myself having to be like, okay, because I'm always going to think about it. I'm always going to reflect. I've been like that since I was a kid. Like Love my it. parents would always laugh at me because when I come to them about something, like <laughs> I got all the details already. Um, I low-key got you a spreadsheet. So like... I'm coming for what I want. I've already done the research, so don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, so for me, like, because as you obviously, like, you've been in business for a very long time, so you know, like, how important it is as a business owner to be able to kind of move with the changes, go with the tides, and really be able to take those risks and, like, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to move fast. So, yeah. you definitely, yeah, so no. for me, it's definitely been a balancing act of, like, having that discernment and, like, realizing and being reflective of like okay do I really need like Mm -hmm. you know x amount of people working for this type of person working for me Mm -hmm. or is it you know what what do I actually need right now versus like not being afraid to once I realize like yeah that is what I really need to go ahead and act on okay (laughs) so do you have like I know for me um I always take some time on the weekend and Mm -hmm. I kind of that's that's like my little check-in where I kind of sit back reflect look at what you know, just kind of reflect on everything going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'm definitely at the end of the year. You know, you're trying to get ready for that great New Year's resolution. You know, yeah. I'm going to be this <laughs> and I'm going to be that. So do you have like a certain part as a part of your, you know, lifestyle routine or business mm-hmm. lifestyle routine? Do you have a certain time where you're just like really sitting back looking at everything so you can make that discerning, you know, adjustment or, you know, implement your business awareness spirit (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah so now I actually kind of work like bi-weekly so Uh I have like weeks where all I'm doing is client stuff like I don't deal with any type of like marketing no like big business decisions like all I'm doing is executing like here's what needs to get done this is what's on the plate like knock out client work communicate with people whatever um, and then the other weeks, I'm actually focused more on, like, my content marketing and, like, what the big picture, like, of the business is and really working on executing the things in that space that have to be done. That so is I kind so of work, good. Yeah, so I kind of work, like, so awesome. in, a, in a bi-weekly space. It doesn't always work that perfect, right? Like, some weeks, obviously, there might be some client stuff that comes up that I have to take care of and vice versa. Even some client weeks, I might have some other, yeah. you know, outside kind of content whatever related things but for the most part I try to keep it where like like this past week for instance was like the week where I was working on like okay I know I'm getting ready to like launch this webinar so like what are all the different components and like yeah. the things I need to do for that or whatever right. um so yeah so that's pretty much how I organize it oh wow that is like key see this is kind of like the stuff I feel like law school didn't teach us like no, they no. didn't teach us about <laughs> bi-weekly stuff and blocking out this time for that like that is that is great stuff so what made you come to that decision what made you sit down and say you know what every week I'm gonna just do this or Mm -hmm. twice a month I'm just gonna do this or like what made you come to that decision honestly other entrepreneurs um I told you about earlier like um I worked with a business coach last year Mm -hmm. and one of the huge components of her programs we had like two in-person retreats which were like so great because we went like to California to these like lovely houses and we were just doing like straight business development stuff and just working on our businesses and so she would bring in like other experts like other people who are you know successful um entrepreneurs who are like killing it in the online space and all that stuff and just really being able to talk to them like how are you how are you managing all this stuff like because as we all know like working with clients is a full-time job but so is is like marketing your business and being aware of like the big picture of the business like those are both full-time jobs no, I was like really how do you how do you manage that so honestly for me it was just being able to be around these other women who are already doing it mm-hmm. and it's already working for them and kind of seeing like you know these are different ways like different tricks of how they're being able to kind of balance it all mm-hmm. um and really just set those boundaries um I think the biggest thing too though is just also, once you set the boundaries, like, sticking to those boundaries right. and not, like, allowing other random stuff to come into the picture that right. would throw off right. these parameters you already set for yourself. That is, like, that's so wonderful, Casey, because you know me. I, You know, I've always been, like, a workaholic, so I didn't get to that. I'm just really getting to that point when I decided to make that niche to really set, set aside that time, so... Um, so you say you do like twice a week where you just working with clients and then twice a, or twice a month where you're just 
explain that for the people out there. <laughs> so I do it like bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. So like where one whole week I'm like literally all I'm doing is banging out client work. Got like it. I'm not don't ask me about nothing on Instagram. <laughs> don't ask like all I'm doing is straight handling yeah, client I'm just handling client stuff. And then the following week that I'm just handling things like looking at okay what's working in the business right now what's not what are some things that i need to maybe switch up so that might be some more like administrative things on my end that i need to like handle that it's at that time where i'll take a look at some of the questions even that like staff is asking or saying like hey this type of thing has been coming up lately so i'll look at it and be like okay what are some things i can do to like go ahead and resolve this so it doesn't trickle into like you know, three, four months down the line, and we still got the same problem. Same problem. So, so really just addressing stuff like that that affects, like, how everything, yeah. like, flows. And then, like, just looking, like, okay, big picture, like, you know, right. what things am I wanting to put out? Like, what work needs to be done to make sure that right. happens? And yeah. so usually, yes, that those weeks when I'm talking to, like, the only people I'm really communicating with are the people who help me with, like, my social graphics and, like, social management type right, stuff. Right, right. So that's really when I talk to them. That is, like, <laughs> awesome. So, now I know we kind of talked about this discussion off camera. <laughs> so tell me how your practice has changed since you're, you know, dealing with a different set of clientele now. Um, you're not really, you're not in court at all anymore. Um, how has it changed in terms of, you know, professionally, you know, dealing with other attorneys and things of that nature? Um, professionally, we I had a real conversation, y'all, off camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, professionally, well, I mean, I think it's like it's different. It's different levels, I guess. Like from the professional standpoint, like there's the good and the bad, right? So, I guess I'll start with the good part. Um, is that I feel like it's made me a better attorney in the areas that I actually care about because it's what I'm focused on all the time. So I'm able to like do the necessary training. Like when I see that there's some kind of type of new development, I can actually make sure I'm up to date on it, like getting that education um, and just finding better ways to do things like in my space because that's what I'm doing all right. the time. So I don't have to like switch from trying to figure out, you know, all these different practice areas or whatever. Uh-huh. So I feel like it's helped me in that regard. Um, right. But in terms of like, um, well, I know the conversation we had kind of off camera was <laughs> more so like how even with having greater, better clients, how sometimes you still have to deal with like attorneys on the other side who right. might be, you who know, be doing the most, who do a lot, who <laughs> want to mess up your zen and all that. But you know, I just <laughs> take it a day at a time when it comes to those um, those types of attorneys. Like I really, even in those situations, I really try not to still even go beyond my parameters of what I set for certain things because it's like you know if this is not a time period where I'm handling phone calls like I'm gonna schedule we'll talk when it's the time that I handle phone calls because I think it's really distract it just can be really distracting right I think during the during the day regardless of what you're working on (laughs) if you're constantly dealing with like emails calls like people just doing the absolute most yeah so it helps i mean it's helped me like to set those types of parameters for myself and then set up the systems around it so that it's like it's a little easier to stick to it because it's like oh you know someone's so called should i schedule them for a call back at the time that Uh i call people back like and be okay with that don't no matter what like this is just what it is because i know sometimes I'll set stuff for myself, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, right, so this is what you're doing, you're not, but then I'll get that one little email from an attorney, from an opposing counsel, that, and it's just like, I've got to respond. Yeah, exactly. so that's really good that you're just like, I mean, I have my days this now, is- <laughs> you know, definitely have some moments of relapse where I'm like, oh, okay, so you... <laughs> This is what we're doing today in the inbox. Let me go ahead and address you really quickly. Um, I but you. I typically, I but typically, I really. Did, but anytime I have moments like that, I'm like, okay, you did that today. But let's step back. Let's you step know, back. This is outside of your. No, I know what to do. But yeah, yeah. No, I love it. So, what is some other things you know? Because obviously, for me, it took me a long time. I've been practicing law since 2005. Here we are, 2019. And I just niched, you know, when I was going through Mm -hmm. my whole process. I just, you know, niched, you know, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. So, did you have any, you know, self-doubts that you had to kind of conquer being that you... How long have you been practicing, Casey? Um, I guess it's 
been a little over four years now. A little over four yeah. years. Look, look how amazing she is, y'all. Four <laughs> years, and she is booming. So for y'all new attorneys out there who thinking you got to have all these many years of experience before you can super niche, a myth. So, <laughs> the, the, I mean, so tell, tell some people out there who are thinking, you know, I'm a new attorney. I, I don't even know if I feel like I have enough, you know, wherewithal to be able to just say I'm only going to focus on this. So how, share some of those, you know, things that you maybe were thinking yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, you have to just kind of get past that, like, imposter syndrome. Like, because even though Ooh, you I love are... it. Expound for the people. Because <laughs> <laughs> even as, like, a new attorney, like, there's still so much that you know that, like, your clientele or whoever you're serving, like, honestly don't know. Like, whether it's things that you learned in law school, maybe your experiences before you got to law school, like, you know more than your clients like you really yeah, do you know what i mean right. and i think but it it's so be a little... easy for us though casey to feel like we don't i know for oh, me yeah for sure i undervalue myself and i even i still do mm -hmm. i undervalue myself so much because i feel like oh this is simple this is this is natural and sometimes it's crazy how the mind works sometimes i'll i'm like this couldn't be that easy or this mm -hmm. couldn't be this couldn't come to me that naturally so I should maybe share that. And then it's just like, no. And that goes back to that imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're okay. <laughs> I mean, and clearly, first of all, you're a beast. Um, no. Anyone who's ever worked with myself knows you that you're Thank you. <laughs> amazing attorney. So, like, things that come natural to you don't even come natural to most attorneys. So, you know. But, <laughs> um... But, I mean, it's definitely a process, and I still have moments, like, I still have times where, you know, I might be like, ooh, can I charge that? Like, you know, because it's like, I know it's going to take me X amount of time to do it, but still, like, a part of me is like, you know, I have my comfortable numbers or whatever. Right. And so, um, I don't, imposter syndrome, I mean, it takes time, I think, to really, like, work through it, but I think the biggest thing is really realizing that that's what it is, more so than accepting that is like reality can you that, explain expound for people who who don't understand what the imposter syndrome y'all the quicker you can get this the better <laughs> i mean and you can expound on it too but i mean you know imposter syndrome is just feeling like you know you're not worthy enough for certain things that you're you know that you can't charge a certain thing that you're not qualified for a certain thing and i think it's even more difficult like as a black woman yeah and not Come even just the real. <laughs> and not yes. even just in the legal community but i think there's so many things that we're fed from the time that we're like that young girls that really plays into our mentality of what we think we so can true. actually do and like what we think we're even like worthy of yeah. and so i think so much of it I mean, you know, I'm a spiritual person, Me but too. I think so much Me of too. it really is even working through a lot of those, a lot of those demons on the spiritual side and exactly. saying like, you know, I mean, God made me and, you know, I am as powerful as Come on, he made me to yes. be. And so <laughs> you gotta, I mean, so you really have to get yes. past like those societal like boundaries that, that a lot of them too, I feel like we create ourselves. Like we do. There's so many things. And it's so funny because, like, whenever I, like, push past that fear and just say, like, this is what it is, and somebody's like, okay, like, I'll pay that. And you're like, oh, <laughs> word. Like, I should have been, like, been doing this a long time. But, you know, but a lot of it really is, like, just what you put on yourself because a lot of times people, people find you more valuable a lot of times than you even find yeah. than you find yourself. So, I mean, it's definitely difficult, but I think it's definitely more of an internal not really even related to business type of work that you have yeah. to do because really, i think a lot right. of it is like you have to kind of look at like okay what are some things what are some personal things in my life that ever got me to even thinking that, that i couldn't is do so this. true you gotta do the work the you seriously gotta do the self-work oh my like God. entrepreneurship is like the biggest like crash course i feel like in self-discovery oh self -work. my gosh like, yes so yes yeah. yes and so many times like I know for me, one of the things that I had to, you know, and it's, it's funny because like in the, my, uh, the free course, the, the free workshop, find your niche workshop, there's a part that I talk about that it's like discover you, mm -hmm. you know? And I know for me, when I was really going through my whole self-work process, because going to this transition, I went through it, you know, <laughs> uh, because it's really daunting and it's really like, you know, 
going outside of your comfort zone and there's just so many unknowns and so many variables that I myself don't have control over and that's mm -hmm. what's scary. And then I'm getting all these calls and I'm having to make this, the decisive decision to say, no, mm -hmm. I'm not going to take it. I don't care. And um, one of the things that I know for me um, that I was taking for granted was all the things that I had overcome. Mm -hmm. But I was internalizing it to be a, like a negative thing. Well, I went through this and I went through that. Mm -hmm. And then I really started thinking about it, especially, you know, when I, when I made the decision and really, especially, you know, coming up with this. And it was just like, well, that that's the value. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And not really taking it as a, a negative thing, but kind of taking it with gratitude and being thankful that you went through mm -hmm. it because now it turns into something that will help other people. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um, go back it's going back to that imposter syndrome you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's just like really you really yeah. kind of taking just really doing that work you know yeah. and it's almost like and for me it kind of got to a point where it's like okay well all this stuff i'm doing right now isn't working anyway so like <laughs> why not try this new thing that even though it seems scary like might as well try it because <laughs> obviously well. yeah it's like obviously like you know, because I've never been, like, a big person in the marketing and stuff like that. So, that's all, I like, learned stuff for me. Um, and, yeah, so, just, yeah, it really is that getting over that imposter syndrome and just pushing past that fear and just really stepping out on faith and being like, why I not try it. it? Like, I got it. And it's so crazy because you, there's always this weird part of your mind, I think, when you think about niching, you think that, like, somehow you're going to cut out all these opportunities and you're going to, like, yes. miss out on so much. And it's so yes. the opposite effect, though. Like, yes. that's the craziest part about it is, like, it's, it's literally the exact opposite. Like, it really once is. I Tell niched, people. Like, once I niched, like, it made it easier for other attorneys to refer me because people just knew exactly what I did. It made it easier for clients to refer. It makes it easier. Like, I can't tell you how many times people will call and they'll, like, um... Like, oh, yeah, like, I was just searching on the internet, like, and I went to your website, and I felt like you were speaking to me, so yes. I had to call you, like, and it's just, I mean, and so, it's just funny how we think that, but it's literally, it's it helps everything. Everything. Oh, my You're going to make more money, you'll be less stressed out, yes. like, <laughs> And a lot of people balance. don't really understand, like, I really didn't realize how all over the place I was before I decided to niche. Like, mm -hmm. I really didn't realize it. And when you really start niching, and you really, like, really focus I mean, really intensively focused down to, you know, what specific type of cases I'm working on within my niche. Mm -hmm. That's like a whole entire workflow yep. <laughs> in and of itself. It is. Versus, you know what I mean? So you really, I was really like half-assing it. You know what I mean? When you really think about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when you're like, there's so much more I should have known about this particular thing. Yes. Like, so much more work I should have been doing. Yes. Like, to really best serve my client. And that's the thing, too. I feel like you don't realize how much better you can actually serve your clients when you're just niche in the area. Because yeah, for sure. You're, I mean, that's what you're doing all day, every day. So, yeah. like, you're going to be way more on top of it than you ever yeah. would be trying yeah. to juggle a bunch of different things. I completely, yeah. completely agree. <laughs> I'm. Oh, my gosh, Casey. This has been more than I could ever imagine. I didn't know we was going to be cut. I mean, like, woo, you just covered so many things, and you really confirmed a lot of things that I was feeling on the inside and I was, you know, again, self-doubt. Yeah. I got to go back to therapy for that. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, I was putting all this stuff in and I was saying this and I'm just like, how come no one talks about that? You know, I talked yeah. about that self-work and I'm so glad to know that I'm not the only one that felt that way. You, yeah. Know, <laughs> you yeah. felt that same way. It's necessary. And I think it's important. I think really to be the best lawyer that we can be, it really starts with us personally. Yep. And the better we are, inside as as people as humans mm -hmm. the better we become lawyers you mm -hmm. know what i mean and so i'm so happy that you came on today to talk to us you know i know we had some technical difficulties this is our very first um episode on leapreneur <laughs> tv and i'm just so excited and i'm so excited to see what the future holds for you because you're gonna blow up well you already blowing up okay let's say that you already <laughs> blowed up but i mean y'all check her out like she's doing some wonderful stuff um Tell everybody the name of your website, and she has a digital store, y'all. She's motivating me to, to do it as well. I just love it. Talk about it. Yeah, so my main website is chandylaw.com, and that's where you can kind of go and just get some general information about me and my practice. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I practice entertainment law, primarily working with influencers, 
thought leaders and creators um, as it relates to contracts, specifically more so contract negotiation. Um, and so I have, that's my main website. You can also go to my contract template store, which is influencercontracts.com that has um, just contract templates available for business owners, but specifically those in the online space. Um, and I also have a podcast that I started, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now. Yeah, I love and it. So, <laughs> yes. And so the podcast, you can actually get to the podcast through my main website. Um, so there's a tab on C Handy Law that has a link to my podcast. Yes. Oh, which by the way, um, for those lawyers who are like, you know, cause you taught me some stuff about the whole digital store. What made you come up with that? Like, what was the thing that said, you know, I'm gonna offer this because obviously, and this is something I was sharing with you in my office earlier. Um, is this something that you would recommend for all lawyers or does it kind of depend on who you're serving or, mm -hmm. or what? Like, what are some of those things that you have to think about? Yeah. Um, I think everyone, I think there's an opportunity for like any attorney to do it really, no matter what space you're in. Awesome. Um, and it's just, I mean, the biggest thing for me was like, wanting to be able to generate some type of passive income because I'm like I want to be able to scale my business to a point where I'm not having to personally be working in my business every single day to see money coming in because you know how it is yeah. attorney yeah. you're serving clients it's great yeah. somebody pays a $10,000 retainer but that's <laughs> you know $10,000 type of work you got to do exactly you know so so that was like a big part of it but then also just realizing too that clients realizing that gap between like what people need and like where people were with being able to actually afford like one-on-one -on -one services so really it's an outlet and it's a space for people to go and get you know attorney drafted contracts peer-reviewed um contract templates where you know if they're kind of starting out and they're like i just need a contract for my services so that i can feel comfortable with like you know working with clients and all that stuff like it has all the course that they need legally of course if you're in a different state and all that stuff you would yeah you should talk to an attorney in your state right. um and all of that but even but even in that process it helps if you already have something right. um drafted by an attorney in place because it can even save you money on the back end because mm. you come to me with a template that's already pretty nicely together i don't have to charge you as much versus me having to draft a custom contract no that's you. true that's and true so so really it was kind of just meeting a need like of clients you know people would ask for a lot of different things they need a lot of different things and you know some people just weren't in a position where they could afford like one-on-one -on -one services and you know not wanting to devalue yourself or yeah. you know having to realize like okay I can't I can't realistically like take on this certain level of work um, That's true. at this price point so what can I create for people where they can still get what they need and my value is still being recognized because you're, you know, purchasing the things that. So then they would come to you for more like custom contracts. Right. Correct. Custom Got contracts it. or like they need review of contracts. So typically that's kind of where it starts. Somebody might come like, oh, I have this opportunity or whatever. Like, you know, I'm excited about it. It's kind of a bigger thing. Like, so I just really want to make sure I have an attorney review it before I sign because I see a lot of stuff in here that I have no idea what's uh -huh. going on. Yeah. So yeah, so it typically starts with like, you know, reviewing and like negotiating. Um, but in terms of like the drafting side, yeah, it's like custom contract. Awesome. Work. One more question in terms of like pricing. So mm -hmm. do you have like a set fee schedule that you know you charge, mm -hmm. you know, um, for the different types of services that people will come to you for or does it vary by clients being that you've niched now? Um, so when I first niched, I was trying to do everything at like a flat fee type of situation just because obviously that's easier for clients and it makes mm -hmm. it a little less daunting to say like, this is what it costs and you don't have to pay anything else again. Um, but what I started doing now is it kind of depends and what I'll have people do, like if they need me to review a contract, which is typically the standard thing that comes right. in, then now like my assistant will just ask them to send a copy of whatever it is that they would want for me to review. Okay. So that way I can kind of take a look at it to see like how much time I think it would really take for me to like get through it and help them with their situation so uh -huh. that before I ever actually talk to them and hop on the call with them, I can give them a realistic price and generally don't have to go over that. So it ends oh, up wow. working where it's like, okay, this is what you pay because I've already kind of seen what you're dealing with and I know a little bit about your situation because, you know, got the intake form and all that stuff. Um, you know, you don't have to worry too much about having random, like, bills, you know, <laughs> being floated towards you later. But, yeah, so now I'm kind of 
it's more it depends on the situation situation yeah. oh awesome so that is like really amazing Casey. <laughs> like you're gonna inspire so many people out there who are you know maybe an old head like me and had to learn the hard way after like a decade of practicing law or you could be a new attorney um, and you really want to get past that imposter syndrome and you know here's the cream a la crown right here <laughs> who is doing it who is booming and i want to say thank you again attorney casey handy smith y'all go check her out at chehandylaw.com check out her website as well her as a, her store yeah what, what the store is, is influencercontracts.com and then you can connect with me also on social media at contract casey love it thank y'all so much and tune in again Thank you all so very much for tuning in to today's episode of the Leapreneur Podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Listen, for more information or if you want to drop us a quick note or have a question, go to www.legalpreneur.com. Also, check out our store. We've got goodies in store for you. See you next time.